It's time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me the money. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions, because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna. Welcome, my friends. How are you today on this chilly, cold December Sunday here on the Jersey Shore? Hopefully you're having a great weekend. Thanks so much for joining us. If you listen to this live here on 92.7 WOBM, uh, love your uh, love the people who get up early to listen to this program, 7 to 9 a.m. live here at 92.7 or anytime at thefinancialposition.com where we have the listen live feed from the station. Uh, many of you listening to the podcast. Uh, doesn't matter when you listen. We appreciate it. Thanks so much for joining us for today's two-hour program where we talk money Markets and politics and virtually anything that affects your life. Paul, how are you doing this weekend? Good morning, Lou. You ready for Christmas? Oh, well, as ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> you know, I don't do anything for Christmas. I have no plan. No. I have no preparations that I have to do at all. My wife does it all. Uh, my wife and I don't get gifts for each other anymore. We got rid of that a long time ago. Uh, uh, so I don't have to do anything. It's really... You know, quite a luxury not to have to go shopping or do anything. Uh, and my wife, you know, she's one of those crazies that, you know, has to be done by Thanksgiving, you know, and everything wrapped. And, and I go, why are you such a rush for? Uh, some people just can't sleep until they, they get it all done. Um, although many people are just avoiding shopping altogether, uh, it looks like uh, brick and mortar stores are empty for the holidays. Uh Black Friday was, you know, historically people were running over each other to get TVs and all kinds of stuff in stores. That didn't happen on this Black Friday. You know, many, many malls were just empty. And uh, that's a reflection of the economy. But uh, but Cyber Monday had some record sales. So it looks like people aren't afraid to spend money, uh, but they're doing it online. And uh, that's been a trend that we've seen for some time is... Uh, Many people um, shopping online. And that does not bode, bode well for commercial real estate, uh, strip malls, and things like that. You know, nowadays, it's, it's just kind of amazing how, you know, you could order something from Amazon at 10 in the morning, and at 2, it's in front of your house. How does that happen? I don't understand the logistics. Actually, I know somebody who works at Amazon in the fulfillment center. He says it's It's insanity. He goes, you do not stop. He goes, it's almost impossible to stop to go to the bathroom. That, that's how hard they work you there. Uh, and you've heard all kinds of crazy stories from people that work at Amazon that it's just just awful. Um, but it's pretty amazing that you could, um, I mean, just getting it the next day is pretty amazing, let alone getting it the same day. It just blows my mind. I think I ordered something on Amazon at 1 in the afternoon, and I, and I had it that same day. It was there at 4. Quite amazing. Anyway, welcome to the program. Uh, if you want to be part of the program, financial question, comment on anything we talk about here, 
9626 is the call number. Let's start off talking about the economy. And the first week of every month is a big, uh, big week for economic numbers, namely the jobs report. The, the big, big, big number that comes out every month is uh, the monthly jobless report. How many jobs were created in the economy? Now, I laugh at this this number all the time because it's just made up. <laughs> they could they could goal seek this number, and we're going to talk about some of the um, discrepancies uh, that you see. Well, it was announced on Friday that in November, two hundred and sixty three thousand jobs were created in the U.S. economy. Uh, way above what economists were predicting, which was 200,000, which was the worst month, I think, in a year. Uh, But it came in better than expected. And uh, to the surprise of the markets. Now, initially, the markets went down on that news. Why would the markets go down if the economy looks better uh, than expected? Well, good news is bad news for the markets. Because it means that the Federal Reserve uh, is is failing in their ability to get inflation under control by uh, stifling demand, uh, by making the labor market less tight and more and more people losing their jobs. Uh, That's the whole idea of raising interest rates. So I'm sure the Federal Reserve was not happy to see a better than expected number. Uh, And then also, you know, initially, like I said, the, the stock market... Uh, went down, then it went up, then it went down. The bond market initially uh, yields went up, uh, then yields came down, and it was a pretty wild day on Wall Street on Friday. Uh, But this, uh, is it true? That's the question. Now, the day before, interestingly enough, ADP, well, there's, there's three different things that come out on employment every month. The first thing that comes out on the Thursday, the first Thursday of the month, is ADP's payroll numbers. Now, ADP has a pretty good handle on job growth because they're a payroll service. They see when people are being added to the payrolls at different companies and when people are taking off the payrolls. Now, of course, ADP is not every employer. I mean, that's not the only payroll service. So they don't have the entire economy, but they could pretty much extrapolate what uh, the employment situation is. Now, they stated that uh, the jobs report was horrible as far as they were concerned. They said 100,000 manufacturing jobs disappeared in November. And they said um, companies added just 127,000 jobs for the month. Now, you compare that to what the Bureau of Labor Statistics put out and said 263,000 jobs were created. Well, the Labor Department has two different surveys. One's called the um, Establishment Survey. That's the headline one you see every month. That's the 263,000 jobs. But that's the, that's the survey that they're allowed to seasonally adjust. Then they use the birth-death model, just estimating how many jobs are created because new businesses were birthed. Or how many jobs were lost because businesses died. And this number is very, very subjective because there's there's no records on it. They just pull it out of the air. So therefore, they can make these job numbers anything that they want. 
so it's very suspicious. Uh, and it, it, it's suspicious. It's not just one administration. We've been seeing these numbers played around with for years, and I've talked about it on this program for two decades, how you got to just, you know, take every number that comes out of the government with a grain of salt. So how could, you know, ADP say that, you know, we only had 127,000 jobs created? By the way, that's anemic growth. I mean, you have, uh, you know, 330-something million people in the country, and if 100,000 jobs are created, that's nothing. That doesn't even keep pace with population growth. Uh, and even 200,000 is pretty poor. And, and uh, 263,000, I, I think, was the worst month we've had in 10 or 12 months. So it's not great. But is it real? Now, according to um, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, uh, there was growth in manufacturing jobs. Well, ADP just said 100,000 manufacturing jobs are gone. And we're hearing every day, we're hearing layoffs, um, especially in the tech industry. Oh, by the way, yeah, the Bureau of Labor Statistics also stated that... Um, Construction jobs were up 40,000 or something like that. Why would construction jobs be up when we're hearing about an awful housing market? Uh, none of, yeah, it says 20,000 uh, construction jobs and 14,000 manufacturing jobs were added when ADP said that these two sectors shed more than 100,000 jobs. So you, you got to take this with a grain of salt. What, what is real? Now, the household survey, which the Bureau of Labor Statistics does as well, uh, shows that there's a big discrepancy. Since March, the household survey says we're basically flat on jobs, that the, the number of people employed hasn't changed. Whereas the establishment survey said since March, 2.7 million jobs were created. So what gives here? Well, I, I go with the household survey because they're not seasonally adjusted. There's no, no games played. Now, one of the alarming things that came out of this jobs report, as far as Fed policy goes, is that hourly pay rose sharply. It rose six-tenths of one percent last month to an average of $32.82 an hour. Now, when you hear that, that number, it includes benefits. It's not just the amount of pay that somebody gets. So that's the biggest advance we saw in 13 months and really much stronger than Wall Street expected. The increase in wages over the past year climbed to 5.1%, uh, still below the inflation rate of 87 the official inflation rate. Um, that's dropped since a little bit. Uh, so a lot of people are concerned now that the Federal Reserve, who uh, common uh, wisdom on Wall Street was about to start stopping or, or lowering uh, uh, the amount of increase in interest rates, uh, this number means that, hey, maybe they have more work to do. Maybe they have to continue to raise rates aggressively because we're not seeing the tightness in the employment market, if you believe these numbers. Uh, which is what the Fed is trying to do. They want people to lose their jobs. It sounds insane, doesn't it, uh, that your central bank wants you to lose your job? Well, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to increase 
the unemployment rate. Less people have jobs, less people make up money, less people spend money, less inflation. And that's pretty insidious if you think about it. Think about the power, and I've said it on the show many times, that the unconstitutional, in my opinion, Federal Reserve, Central Bank, uh, uh, is able to control so much of your life. Unelected people. So here's an article regarding this. this it, it, the headline is, Something is Rigged. Unexplained record 2.7 million jobs gap emerges in broken payrolls report. So obviously, according to this article, uh, you can't trust it. And it goes on to say, a superficial take of today's jobs report would note that both jobs and earnings blew past expectations, flying in the face of Fed rate hikes. And while that is accurate at the headline level, it couldn't be further from the truth if you actually dig deeper into today's jobs numbers. Recall back in August, September, and October, we showed, and this is the people writing this article, I'm not even sure who it was, uh, showed that a stark divergence had uh, opened between the household and establishment surveys that compromised the monthly jobs report. And since March, the former, meaning the household survey, has been stagnant, while the latter, the establishment, has been rising every single month. In addition to that, full-time jobs were plunging. While part-time jobs were surging, and the number of multiple job holders soared. So what's really happening in the economy, we're losing good, benefit-paying, full-time jobs, and we're creating jobs in restaurants and bars uh, for people to have part-time jobs. Now, the establishment survey, which came in at 263,000 above the 200,000 expected, uh, is a record seven straight months of consecutive uh, beats against what was expected. Uh, we never seen that before. And this is when virtually every technology company is announcing mass layoffs. Um, so can you trust this number? Uh, and what does it really mean? I mean, even if those jobs are being created, but they're part-time jobs and they're not good-paying jobs, is that good for the economy? I don't know. But as usual, um, and you know, it's funny. We see this discrepancy between the household survey and uh, the establishment survey. It seems to happen every time before an election. Before Obama's uh, re-election, we saw a major divergence between those two surveys. Uh, before the election uh, where Donald Trump beat Hillary Clinton, they wanted the um, uh, the economy to look better. Uh, so we saw that the months leading up to the election saw that kind of divergence as well. Uh, and now we're seeing it before the midterms. So I don't trust these numbers at all. I call them uh, the Bureau of Lying Statistics. Um. But again, uh, you know, apparently the Federal Reserve takes this at face value and uh, may have to continue to raise interest rates. And obviously, the market doesn't like that. Now, another thing we look at is the labor participation rate. These are people who are uh, at working age where they, you know, they're not retired yet. 
Uh, and now only 62.1% of people who are working age actually have a job. And that dropped three months in a row. So how can you have job growth and participation going down? I don't know. And the number of people employed overall in the economy is flat. But meanwhile, all these jobs are being created. If we look further under the hood at the economy, um, this is startling to me. Uh, This is the headline. 41% of all small business owners could not pay their rent in November. Now, I mentioned last month it was 37%. In October, in November, it's 41%. I mean, that's, I can't believe that. I mean, if this is actually the case, uh, we're headed for depression. And I'd hate to see what the commercial real estate market's going to look like. Uh, and as the commercial real estate collapses, it's going to put extremely, extreme amount of stress on the financial system. Uh, but the Fed is on a suicidal path of, of raising interest rates, trying to destroy the economy. And as historic... Uh, historically they they're behind the curve they start raising rates too late causing inflation then they raise rates too aggressively instead of waiting to see how it, it trickles through the economy this is a 6 to to 9 month delay uh when the fed raises interest rates so you start seeing it, you know in the economy uh and then by the time they realize that they went too far uh the economy's in a deep deep recession so um, that's where we are right now with the economy. Uh, now, we've been seeing um, the stock market rise the last couple of months because they're trying to anticipate. You know, markets always look forward. They, they, they don't reflect exactly what's happening now usually. They're looking for the next six months to a year. Uh, and they, after having a dismal year, uh, first six months of, of, of 2022 was the worst six months for stocks and bonds, I think, ever, going back in records. We've seen a nice rebound since September in the markets, especially in the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Uh, so let's take a look at markets this week. Uh, a pretty uneventful week, although we did have a lot of ups and downs. Now, what I didn't mention earlier is on Thursday, the, the jobs number came out Friday. It always comes out the first Friday of the month. But on Thursday, um, Jerome Powell, the head of the Fed, was out speaking. And he was talking in a way that kind of indicated that the Fed may be close to the end of raising interest rates or close to at least pausing or not raising them much. And the market went crazy. And that's the thing. The stock market, especially lately, but historically always, it's driven by the Fed and Fed policies. And uh, they listen to every word the Fed says. Whenever there's a Fed meeting, uh, it's not really do they raise rates or lower rates because everybody knows ahead of time what they're going to do. It's it's what they say afterwards. Now they have press conferences. What does the chairman say? And sometimes the press conference, he says things that are different than the, the report that came out earlier from the meeting. And the markets react to it. 
So he came out, Jerome Powell on Thursday, uh, and uh, was somewhat dovish on interest rates. And the market loved it. I think we were up four or 500 points on Thursday. And then on Friday, this strong jobs report comes on, quote unquote strong. Uh, and uh, the market was down, it was up, it was down, it closed pretty much flat for the day on Friday after a roller coaster session. So for the week, the Dow was up one quarter of 1%, again, virtually unchanged. But for November, the Dow was up 7% for the month. November was one of the best months for stocks in a very, very long time. And it started eating away at the losses for the year. And we'll see what happens in December. Uh, but was one, uh, what was one of the worst years ever uh, is starting to uh, look otherwise in the last few months of the year. So the Dow's down five and a quarter percent for the year. Well, most people would take that. Most people's portfolios are down 20 percent. Uh, that's because they don't have all their money in the Dow. Uh, and why is the Dow doing so much better than the other indexes? Because it's only 30 industrial companies. And some of those companies are energy-related, like ExxonMobil and Chevron, uh, who've done very well in this economy. Many of uh, the stocks in the Dow Jones Industrial Average are consumer stocks, uh, like Procter & Gamble and things like that. So, I mean, you know, you're not going to stop buying toothpaste, you know, because of uh, the jobs report or, or what's going on with the economy. Even if you're unemployed, you're buying toothpaste. Cheaper to buy toothpaste and go to your dentist, right? And have your teeth pulled. <laughs> so you're always going to buy toothpaste. Uh, S&P 500 for the week up 1.13%. Uh, for November, up 8.3%. Uh, I mean, for, for the S&P 500, to be up 8.3% in one month is pretty much unheard of. Unless you're following like a crash from the month before. Uh, but really a healthy month in November. Uh, and all of this is due to the fact that the markets are believing that the Federal Reserve is towards the end of its interest rate increases. Now, whether or not that's the real case or not, we'll see. Uh, but that's what the, the, the markets are anticipating, that the Fed is going to pivot. That's the big word now in, in markets is pivot, which means either start increasing interest rates uh, instead of three-quarters of a point per meeting, maybe a half a point in December. Uh, although that strong jobs report has people thinking that maybe the Fed may have to go three-quarters of a percent in December. Who knows? Uh, and then ultimately we'll stop raising rates. And due to this uh, severe recession that we'll realize we're in in the first half of next year, uh, the Fed will start re uh, lowering rates again and start printing money, which the markets love. I mean, this big bull market we've had for years has all been based on uh, Fed policy of zero interest rates and quantitative easing. And you could see how dependent the markets are on monetary cocaine. Because as soon as the Fed started going the other way and raising interest rates, look what happened to the markets. Stock and bond. They were destroyed. NASDAQ was up 2.09% for the week, 8.9% for November, almost 9%. But the NASDAQ is the market that's been really crushed this year because it has the Facebooks and the Amazons and all the tech companies that are getting destroyed this year. Uh, even with an almost 9% increase in November uh, year to date, the NASDAQ is down 27%.
Uh, gold has uh, really made a significant move, gold and silver, in the last month or so. Uh, gold uh, reclaimed $1,800 an ounce uh, this week. Uh, if you recall, it was only in early November we were at 1600 and change. So gold's up about 200 uh, bucks per ounce uh, in a little over a month. Silver in November was $19 an ounce, uh, closed on Friday at $23.17, major breakout there. Uh, so precious metals finally are, are starting to make a move. Uh, the 10-year U.S. Treasury uh, bond, the yield has dropped to 3.5%. Again, as markets try to anticipate um, the Fed pivot, the Fed, Fed stop raising interest rates. Uh, if you recall, it wasn't long ago that the 10-year uh, Treasury bond was yielding uh, over 4%. Four and a quarter, I think, was the high, 43 so we're at three and a half. Now, the good thing about that, if you're looking to buy a house, is that mortgage rates are tied to the 10-year yield. So mortgage rates, after peaking uh, at around seven and a quarter percent a month or two ago, uh, are now down. The average annual uh, rate on the 30-year fixed mortgage is 6.67%. I mean, still exceedingly high compared to the last 10, 12 years. Uh, but I anticipate that that's going to drop substantially in this coming week. Uh, I think we'll be down closer to six and a quarter uh, by the end of this week. So rates are going in the right direction. Now, will that save the housing market? I don't know. Uh, You know, we had a year ago, we were looking at 3%, three and a quarter percent mortgage rates. Uh, Still even at 6%, it's significantly higher. Uh, And we all know that the rising mortgage rates is what's been hurting the housing market. And uh, so let's take a look at housing. You know, you got some really nasty, nasty headlines that came out. Uh, U.S. home prices declined for the third straight month in September. Uh, so we're seeing housing prices come down. And the three-month decline we've seen is the, the largest decline we've seen over three months in 10 years. Uh, and that's, you know, it's a given. You know, interest rates start going up. Housing prices go down. It's pretty simple. Uh, what else do we have here in the economy? Let's take a look at um, what uh, asset classes have performed the best. And let's look year to date. Um, commodities were the best place to be so far in 2022. Uh, the CRB index, which is an index of, of, of commodity prices, uh, up 20% for the year. Uh, Brent crude oil uh, up about 15% for the year. U.S. Uh, West Texas intermediate oil uh, up around 10% uh, year to date. Uh, and now we start going negative. Those are the only um, asset classes that were up year to date. Uh, everything else is down year to date. The question is how much is it down? Uh, gold's down like 3% for the year. Uh, silver is down like 5% for the year. Uh, and then we start going into, uh, United States high yield corporate bonds down over 10% for the year. Uh, the S and P 500, as I said earlier, uh, down about uh, 14%. What did I say? Uh, S and P's down, uh, 14 and a half percent for the year. Uh, then you go to U.S. Treasury bonds, uh, down 12% for the year. And this is prices. 
S&P 500, like I said before, was down 14 and a half, and we keep going. The DAX is down, the Hang Seng is down 20%, uh, and, uh, and so forth and so on. The worst market of any asset class, uh, the MOEX. The MOEX is the Russian stock exchange, uh, which is down about 30% for the year. So it's been a really rough year for all asset classes, uh, stocks, bonds, everything else. There's been nowhere really to hide uh, as the the Fed's raising interest rates and all central banks are starting to raise interest rates and as we're dealing with inflation. We have other indexes or indicators of the economy that are very negative. Uh, there's something called the Chicago Purchasing Managers Index. Um, uh, this is in contraction right now. Anything under 50 is considered a tra- contracting economy. Anything over 50 is an expanding economy. Um, the Chicago Purchasing Managers, it was expected it would come out at 47. Instead, the number came out at 37, which means that um, companies are, are slowing down their purchasing of all kinds of stuff. Um, in the entire history of the survey, the Chicago Purchasing Management Index only plunged below 40 during times when the U.S. economy was in a recession. So that's telling you something. Consumer uh, confidence has declined for two months in a row. As I mentioned earlier, home prices three months in a row have declined. Existing home sales have now dropped nine months in a row. And we haven't seen this kind of a housing industry uh, crash uh, since the last crash in 2008. But the Fed continues to raise interest rates, uh, and as they do, it's only going to get worse. And we're seeing a lot of layoffs in the real estate industry, especially in the loan industry. Um, one company here, Reverse Mortgage Funding, laid off 80% of its staff on Tuesday. Uh, so if you're in a business of, of making mortgages, uh, life's tough for you. It was great. It wasn't very long ago where it took forever to get your mortgage approved, right? Because it was so backed up, title companies and everything else. Uh, but that's not the case now. It's just the opposite. 50,000 tech workers lost their jobs in the month of November. Not according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, but according to uh, CNBC. And at the same time, uh, we have 60% of uh, the country living paycheck to paycheck and battling inflation. Uh, so it's a, it's a pretty tough economy out there, uh, and I don't see it getting better anytime soon. Now, on the inflation front, um, I think we've seen peak inflation for now because we're seeing energy prices come down. Uh, I was driving in today, and I saw, what, three sixty a gallon. Well, it wasn't long ago. You remember earlier in the summer, some were predicting $6.20 a gallon? Average in the United States. Well, it's not that. So whether it's a combination of uh, draining the strategic petroleum reserve, uh, which had some obviously effect on the price of oil, uh, or just the economy slowing down and demand being killed uh, for energy, not only here in the United States, but worldwide, uh, we're seeing energy prices go down. And energy prices drive everything. And uh, we're seeing energy prices not collapse, but they're, they're, they are going down, and I think that's uh, going to have a, a significant effect on inflation. Uh, and we'll see if the CPI, I think the CPI comes out in two weeks. We'll see what that looks like and see if it's continuing a downtrend here. 
But I think we may have seen peak inflation. Now, I'm, I don't mean peak inflation forever. I mean peak inflation uh, for now. I think in the um, first half of next year, we're going to see deflation as recession takes hold in the country. We have a worldwide recession, uh, recession or worse. Uh, and then I think the Fed's going to panic. Uh, the Fed's going to renew their quantitative easing. They're going to start lowering rates aggressively. And that's going to cause the real inflation to kick in later on in 2023 into 2024, which would make the inflation we just lived through look like nothing. So we've had inflation, we're going to have deflation, and then hyperinflation. And that's what I think is going to happen. All right, let's take a break. Uh, 732-237-9626 is the call number. My name is Lou Skatigny. You're listening to The Financial Physician. Don't go away. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, a family-owned and operated premier septic installation and repair company with more than a decade of experience in the septic services. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer provides full-service maintenance and cleaning services, pumping septic tanks, repairing broken sewer lines, cleaning of grease tanks for restaurants, as well as real estate septic inspections, repairs, and installations. Phone 732-600-8721 or go to jerseyshoreseptic.com to learn more. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, top quality work at the most affordable rates. Although customers were already going online more and more over the past five years, the amount of people doing business online has skyrocketed since the pandemic hit. Visit mylocalcustomers.com. Hi, Sean Michaels to tell you if you're a business owner here at the Jersey Shore, Town Square can help you find local customers online. Town Square can help you grow your business faster. Premium website services, new leads every day, no contracts, subscriptions you can cancel anytime. Visit mylocalcustomers.com. That's mylocalcustomers.com. For details. Do you have a home to sell? Do you need to buy a home? Or maybe you would like to consider a career in real estate? Well, you need to contact my brother, Mark Skatigna. He's the broker manager of Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty on Route 70 in Manchester. Mark has helped so many of my clients with either the sale of their home or to purchase a new home. All of them could not have been happier with his help. What about an exciting new career in real estate? Maybe you're finding you have more time on your hands than you would like to after retiring from your full-time job and are also looking to make some extra income. With flexible hours to still enjoy your free time and income, that could be limitless. Mark could train you to be as successful as you would like to be and enjoy a rewarding career in real estate. For help with any of your real estate needs, as well as any information on a career in real estate, call my brother Mark Skatigna at Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. His number is 732-657-6200. That's 732-657-6200. Mark Skatigna, Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. Give him a call. You'll be happy you did. I'm Lou Skatigna, certified financial planner, author, president of AFM Investments, and the host of The Financial Physician, heard each Sunday morning, 7 to 9, right here on 92.7 WOBM, or anytime at thefinancialphysician.com. Don't let interest rates, inflation, and market volatility keep you awake at night. Come to my Tom's River office for a no-obligation professional diagnosis of your financial health. I'll review your investments, income taxes, and retirement plan. I'll suggest a comprehensive financial and estate plan that will improve your financial health and, most importantly, lower your financial risk during these uncertain times. If you are retired or plan to retire, I will show you strategies designed to increase your income and protect your estate from nursing home costs. Call us at 732-905-8100 and get on the road to a healthy financial future. That's 732-905-8100. Join me Sunday morning, 7 to 9, for The Financial Physician right here on 92.7 WOBM or listen to the podcast at thefinancialphysician.com. Securities transactions through Lee Baldwin & Company, member of FINRA and SIPC, registered investment advisory service to afford Advisory Group. Call the financial physician now at 732-237-9626. Here's Luz Katigna. 
All right, just a reminder about our website, thefinancialphysician.com, where we have the the podcast of this show. Uh, last week was a, a record number of downloads of the show. Uh, every week it seems to go up, but last week was a kind of surprisingly big uh, download of the show. Hundreds and hundreds of downloads of the program. I, I think it had to do with the segment we did on the documentary that's out there called died suddenly about uh how people have been vaccinated what's happening to them and, and and so forth and so on and i i had the um and i still do i have the video of that documentary on my website the financial physician.com uh it's there on the blog so if you want to go and see it and you haven't seen it but so many of you i think have been sharing that in my commentary on it uh, it's kind of gone a little bit viral out there, uh, and I'm getting a lot of responses from people who saw that it just opened their eyes to to, to, to what's going on, uh, and uh, and I'll keep it up there there for some time. But uh, you don't have to get up early to listen to this program on Sunday morning, right after the show is over. It's available at thefinancialphysician.com. Just go to the tab up top that says radio, click on it, and uh, listen to the most uh, recent show. Also, we put up uh, midweek, we put up usually my open monologue, uh, a video of it that we put on Rumble. Uh, I'm in, um, I'm permanently bad from YouTube because of all the uh, dangerous things I speak about. <laughs> it's totally ridiculous. I think I had 200 followers on YouTube and they, they took me down forever. You know why? Because I commented on the election in 2021. So they went back a year and a half, and somebody complained about me being an election denier because I brought up the inconsistencies and the issues uh, about that election. So, you know, that's a big story right now, right now, right, with Twitter and everything and censorship and whatnot. We'll, we'll, we'll touch on that in the second hour uh, and how uh, Elon Musk has blown this whole thing to smithereens. Uh, but, yes, I've been censored. Um I have never been censored on this radio program, uh, surprisingly. Uh, but, um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm censored on YouTube. So I can't put any videos up on YouTube. Now, the, the problem with when you get censored by one of these uh, social media platforms uh, is that you lose everything. I can't even enter my own channel to look at my own videos that I have archived there. I have videos on my YouTube channel of my vacations. I have videos on my YouTube channel of my XN days when I'm doing radio, uh, uh, national radio. I can't get them back. I, ha I have no record of them. Uh, I had videos uh, 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 of almost every show I did. Uh, if I want to access any of that information, I can't. Now, I could see if they want to uh, prevent you from posting, uploading a video. Okay. Or they want to take down a video. Now, again, I don't think this is right. But if they feel that, you know, they, they want to take down a video because they feel it's misinformation uh, or hate speech. Uh, by the way, misinformation, as far as the censors go in these tech companies, is anything that's against the left. Anything that's conservative is misinformation. Anything that's not pro-vaccine is misinformation. Uh, anything that challenges uh, Democratic voter fraud, misinformation. Got to get taken down. Uh, so anyway, uh, 
Uh, but while, while you shut down somebody's channel where they can't even access, like, you know, on, 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 on YouTube, I follow a lot of play people. You know, I got a lot of travel subscriptions where I watch videos there. I can't even see them. I, I don't even have my subscriptions. I have to recreate on a, a whole new channel. And by the way, you got to kind of do it in a clandestine way because if your name or anything shows up on another channel, they're going to shut that down too. You know, so now I I have an alias uh, channel uh, just so I could see YouTube videos. I'm not even posting anything, right? I just want to see other people's uh, channels. My wife and I are big cruisers. I like to watch cruising channels and, and travel channels and things like that. I have to recreate all these. So now I'm on Rumble. Rumble is a, a free speech type platform. Uh, uh, so we put up videos of, uh, we, we videotape the show and I put on, usually it's the opening monologue that we have the videotape and it goes up midweek and, uh, it's nothing different than the blog. I mean, the, um, podcast, it's just that you, you get to see me doing this show. And if you want to put a face to the voice, you know, you'll see what I look like. Um, but we put that up during the week. Uh, so uh, become a, go to the website, thefinancialphysician.com. Uh, you're offered, uh, you can download a free copy of my book, uh, The Financial Physician, How to Cure Your Money Problems and Boost Your Financial Health. It's a really nice PDF. Uh, you could download it to your computer and, and read it free of charge. Uh, all you got to do is give us your email, and we'll send you the link. Uh, and we'll notify you whenever the podcast comes up, whenever we uh, upload something, you'll get an email from us saying, hey, you know, there's a new financial physician blog post or something like that, and you can link over to that. So uh, uh, the number of people going to our website is just growing by leap and bounds uh, as this show and the podcast is becoming more popular across the country. So we really do appreciate you uh, sharing the link um, to the podcast. If you want to listen to us live and you're not in um, in our area here on the Jersey Shore, you can listen live if you're up early on Sunday mornings by hitting the Listen Live button uh, at uh Love your emails, Lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Uh, Lou at the financial physician.com. You have a personal finance question. Getting a lot of questions from people uh, as we get into year end here of uh, moves that they want, they should be making with their portfolios going into the new year. Uh, they're doing evaluations. Now this is a good time of the year. Uh, the end of the year is to start reviewing your financial situation, review your budget, review your investment accounts. Look, nobody's going to look at their investment accounts this year and, and be happy with them. Uh, unless you have, uh, you know, a lot of money and energy and commodities. But look, the question is, though, how much losses do you have compared to the average portfolio? Now, if you look and you see that the S&P 500 is down 14% and you're down 30, well, then there's a problem there. Uh, and so many people don't know what they own in their portfolios, in their 401ks. It blows my mind. I see a new client. They'll bring me their 401k statement. And I'll ask them, I'll say, you know, what's your asset allocation? 
and they look at me like uh you know how a dog looks like at you you know when they don't understand what you're saying they look at me like i, I don't know well, why don't you know? This is your retirement plan. Don't you know what your risk is? How much of your money is in the stock market? How much of your money is in uh, tech stocks? How many? How much of your money is internationally invested? How much do you have in the bond market? What type of bonds? Most people have no idea. Oh, I, I got uh, the Fidelity uh, Balance Fund. Well, what does that mean? Uh, I don't know. Well, <laughs> you got to know. What's an equity fund? What's an equity income fund? What's a capital appreciation fund? These names all mean something. And there's different degrees of risk with all this. And if you can't figure it out yourself, then go to a planner and say, look, I need a risk evaluation. I do that all the time for listeners to this program. And this is a great time to do it, you know, going into a new year, end of the year. Uh, let's start the new year off on the right foot. Let's rebalance the portfolio. Let, let me find out how much money I have in the stock market. And, and is that appropriate based on my age and my risk tolerance and, you know, my, my proximity to retirement? And I find almost 100% of the case, well... It's one or the other. Either 100% of the case, uh, the clients are uh, 100% in safety, either because they've listened to this program and they've protected themselves, or they're overexposed to the stock market. And I'm seeing more of the latter. Uh, so when I sit there, and I could sit there, and I can calculate why they're sitting in my conference room, uh, their asset allocation, meaning what percent do you have in cash, what percent do you have in stock market, and what type of stock market investments do you have, uh, what percent of your money do you have in bonds, and what type of bonds. Now, we could all do that on a first appointment. So if you're 70 years old, and you got 70% of your money in the stock market, uh, that's a recipe for disaster. And many people have experienced that disaster this year. And uh, we use a, a rule of thumb uh, that you take 100 minus your age and that's the maximum stock market exposure you should have in your portfolio. My assistant, Evelyn, hates when I use the term rule of thumb. You know what that means, Paul? You know what it comes from? The rule of thumb. No, that one I don't know. All right. Back in the day in England, you could beat your wife with a stick as long as it was no bigger than the size of your thumb. So that was the rule of thumb. So Evelyn always tells me, you shouldn't use that because that means men are beating their wives with sticks. Uh so she always brings that to my attention when she hears me say, rule of thumb. Uh, so we all learned something today. Sue, uh, I'm going to find a stick at home uh, that's as big as my thumb, and I'm going to beat you today. The rule says I can. Um, so there you go, rule of thumb. You learn everything on this program. You never know what you'll learn here. <laughs> so the rule of thumb in investing is you take 100 minus your age, and again, it's a rule of thumb. That doesn't mean it, it is... Uh, 
perfect for everybody. Some people, it's different based on your assets, how much money you have, and everything else. Look, if you're 70 years old and you're worth $3 million, you could have a higher percent in the stock market because if the market goes down, you're still going to eat. But if you have 100000 in your 401k and you're 70 years old, uh, you certainly can't afford a 30% decline. So you want to make sure that there's adjustments made here. And so many people do nothing with their portfolio. They just leave it the same. They ride the ups and downs of the market, and they never make any adjustments to it. And most American investors this year have paid the price for that. So now more than ever, it's a good time to you know have an evaluation done. If you can't do it yourself, seek out a planner. I will do it for you. No obligation appointment. Come in. Let me see what you're doing. Even if you can't access your 401k now because you still work for the company, I'll still do it for you. And anytime I can help somebody lower the risk in their life prior to retirement or during retirement, I'm happy to do it. Send me an email. Send me a copy of your statement, and I'll email you back if you're not local. You want to come in for an appointment, call my office. Come on in. Bring your paperwork in. Let's look at it. Because now that we're entering the new year, now is the time to evaluate your financial situation. And we'll talk about as we get closer to the new year, um, things that you should do as far as preparing some documents like a budget, like a net worth statement. It's a good time to evaluate your taxes as you're moving into tax season. Uh, How about your estate plan? You know, do you, you know, you have the proper documents, do you have uh, your wills in order and all that kind of stuff. I'm dealing with issues with clients now that are just such nightmares. I can't even explain it because they didn't do their planning correctly. I got people who their beneficiary for their retirement plan was their estate. What a big mistake that is. You don't make your estate the beneficiary of your 401k. The estate has to pay taxes on that money at estate tax rates. You could see 40, 50 percent of that money disappear. Whereas if you named uh, people, they could put it in their own IRA. They could delay the taxes. You know, they got 10 years to take the money out. It's uh, these are this is end of life planning. That's really got to be done. And so many people aren't doing it. So use the new year. Look, 2023 is going to be a challenging year. You think 2022 is challenging? 2023 is going to be even more so. With the uncertainty on inflation, the uncertainty on interest rates, are we going to be in a deep recession? Um, Well, the Fed's trying to cause it. We'll see. Now, I was mentioning, uh, I always keep an eye on banks uh, because the banking system, obviously, is the financial system. Uh, And when you look at banks, and namely bank stock prices, uh, it tells you a lot. Now, I've mentioned a number of times over the months here that, you know, we believe that the first banks to fail are going to be in Europe. uh, Or at least have a a solvency problem. Uh, And the one that always comes up is Credit Suisse. Well, here's a stock that was $60 a few years ago. It's $2 and change today. What does that tell you? Well, it doesn't tell you that that bank is doing really well. Uh, just since um, just since the middle of November, 
Credit Suisse's stock has gone from four ten a share uh, to as low as two seventy. All right, that's got to tell you something that there's a problem at that bank. Credit Suisse stock went down thirteen straight days. That never happened before. So my radar goes up when I start seeing that. Now, of course, the company's trying to sell off divisions. They're raising money, which is dilutive to the existing shareholders, especially at these stock prices. You have to issue so many millions of shares to get any money. Um, But um, the chairman came out. By the way, his last name is Lehman. (laughs) That's ironic. Uh, Chairman Axel Lehman told Bloomberg TV that the bank's liquidity was improving. And that huge outflows of client assets that had spooked markets were coming to an end. Withdrawals at the Swiss lender, which surged to about 84 billion francs or $90 billion earlier this quarter, uh, have basically stopped, he said. Well, there's no more money left to take out. (laughs) That's called a bank run, by the way. So uh, nothing to worry here. Uh, Trust me, everything's good. Yeah, we've heard that before, haven't we? The other bank that we keep a good eye on is Deutsche Bank, who I think is now $10 a share. There's another bank that was, what, $60, $70 a few years ago. So uh, I'm always keeping a – because that's – I'm just always looking for that first domino to drop uh, in the banking system because all it takes is one because they're all integrated with derivatives and everything else. So you see, if Credit Suisse fails – or Deutsche Bank fails, we are back in 2008 where we have a systematic, uh, systemic banking crisis worldwide. And uh, many people smarter than me are predicting that's going to happen. So uh, on my quote screen, uh, I always have up on that quote screen, Deutsche Bank, Credit Suisse, Bank of America, J.P. Morgan, and uh, some other bank indexes. So I'm always watching that. And uh, the bank indexes have done pretty poorly this year. Another stock that's done poorly this year is Disney. Well, what do we know about Disney last year? That they got woke and they went broke. All right? Why do these people, uh, these companies, um, think they have to be activists instead of business people? You can't be both. Because if you're going to be an activist, you're going to offend a large portion of your customer base. And they're going to boycott you. Who wants to do business with a company that they disagree with? And this is exactly just taking uh, Disney. Now, Disney's supposed to be a company that caters to children. Entertainment for children, right? The Disney Channel, Disney Movies. And going back to the old days of Bambi and Snow White, uh, it was wholesome. Although some people say there's things in some of those movies that really weren't that wholesome, if you look right. Uh, But over the last few years, Disney's now become uh, sexualized for children. And they just released a new movie called Strange World. It's an animated movie, and it's all about a gay couple. Oh, what a shock. Uh, uh, and it tanked at the box office. Nobody wants to go to see this. Nobody's bringing their kids to see this uh, LGBTQ or SNBC uh, <laughs> uh, movie. 
Nobody wants to waste their Thanksgiving weekend sending their children prematurely to be sexualized by groomers. Uh, So they're losing a ton of money. Of course they are. Strange World cost anywhere between 150 and 180 million to produce, and about 50 to 100 million to promote, and it's been a catastrophe. Uh, it's looking like it's going to lose close to a quarter of a billion dollars. Um, because again, they have to do this whole woke thing. And people are saying to themselves, they're saying, you know, these people, these predators at Disney are coming for your kids. You know, somebody, uh, they equated Disney. uh, It says here, the Disney brand is now the equivalent of a nondescript van and a guy behind the wheel offering your kids candy. (laughs) That's what they're saying. Oh, by the word, by the way, Disney stock is down forty percent for the year. You remember also that uh, Disney was going head to head against uh, uh, Ron DeSantis uh, because uh, they were against teaching kids in kindergarten to third grade about sexualized stuff. And you remember the left was saying it was a "don't say gay" law, which had nothing to do with what the law was all about. And you remember how Disney came out. Uh, against uh, the state of Florida. Uh, Then Ron DeSantis pulled their um, uh, preferential tax treatment in the state of Florida, uh, causing them to lose tons of money. And uh, if I was a shareholder of Disney or any other company that got woke and caused their earnings to go down and uh, their stock price to go down, I would sue them. As a shareholder of Disney... I invested in your company to make money. And the board of directors and the executives of any public company's number one job is to increase shareholder value. It's not their job to be social warriors. It's not their job to push an agenda. It's not their job to be political. And now, by the way, uh, the CEO of... um, Disney, who's been a CEO for the last three years and presided over uh, this wokeness, uh, uh, was fired on, I think it was Monday, and replaced by Bob Iger, Iger, uh, who was the past CEO prior to this other guy coming in. Now, he says he's going to seek to, quote, quiet things down at the company (laughs) following several high-profile controversies. Most notably, the admission of an executive producer under his predecessor declaring that Disney is operating an open LGBT agenda. So this guy has been brought back to kind of like, you know, stop this. Uh, so <laughs> but you can go on and on, company after company after company. That well, As soon as they do this, they lose money. And that's where you have the saying, get woke, go broke. And I'm surprised there's not more uh, uh, class action lawsuits against companies that take political stances on things. Because, you know, lawyers out there will sue a company in a class action suit just because their earnings came out two pennies less than expected. Uh, So I don't know uh, why we're not seeing uh, 
more class action lawsuits against these companies. But it looks like they're finally getting religion and realizing, well, maybe we should just shut up and just do our business. All right, top of the hour, 732-237-9626 is the call number if you want to be part of the program. My name's Lou Skadigna. See you on the other side. It's time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me the money. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions, because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna. All right, time for our second hour of this thing of ours we call the financial physician, where we talk money markets and politics and virtually anything that affects your life that I feel like talking about on this program. Uh, Something you want me to comment on, 732-237-9626, or you have a question on finance or anything. You know, on our show, we tend to uh, do the first hour, uh, economics, finance, markets. Second hour, we talk uh, politics, current events, and they kind of all go together, don't they? What's happening in Washington (laughs) does affect our finances, right, more than anything. Uh, sure it does. Um, so we uh, we don't go two hours on pure finance. Uh, I'd lose half my audience. Uh, so we do talk um, about other things as well. We talk about a lot of different things on this program, including what a rule of thumb means. <laughs> so we learned something today. Uh, Paul learned something, so hopefully you did too as well. Um, anyway, if you missed the first hour, uh, uh, just go to the um, thefinancialphysician.com. After the show, the podcast is available as soon as the show's over. Uh, so if you sleep late or you stumble upon the show in the middle of the show as you're driving to AC on the parkway uh, uh, or you have to go to church, uh, just go to the com and you can navigate the show. You could you could zip ahead to the second hour or, or whatnot. So uh, very easy to listen to the show on the podcast at thefinancialphysician.com. And if you think uh, it's worthwhile, share it. Put it on social media, put it on websites that you think would uh, benefit um, by uh, having a link to the program. Uh, Send an email link out to your friends and family. Uh, And so many of you have been sharing the program, and our podcast has been growing by leaps and bounds, and I appreciate that. All right, we were talking um, before the first, uh, at the end of the first hour, about how Disney uh, had become politicized and woke. And was trying to push this LGQ, whatever. I get all these letters mixed up. <laughs> they, they add them all the time, so it keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. LGBQ. Then there's other plus things, and I, I don't know. They're going to run out of uh, alpha, uh, letters in the alphabet soon. Uh, you know, it's I, I got to say something. Kind of, kind of got me mad this week. I went to, uh, 
I had to confirm a, a doctor's appointment with my doctor this week. And I have to go to a portal to do that. You go, you go to this website or whatever. And they told me to update my records. Okay, I looked up my records. And they started asking me questions like this. What was your gender at birth? I'm like, what do you mean my gender at birth? My gender at birth is the same gender I have now. I have an X and Y chromosome. Uh, I'm a male. Then it said, the next question was, what sexual identity, uh, what sexual uh, that you identify as or whatever? And I click on the, the drop down menu, and there was like 30 things there. There was male, female, then there was uh, binary and cis. And I was like, are you kidding me? Now, you didn't have to answer the question. You say, prefer not to answer. But the fact that you're even asking this question of me got me mad. And then the third question is, what pronouns do you identify with? I was furious. Not that I was going to answer the question. Actually, I did answer the question. Male, male, he. And of course, they, they always have this they or them. What's that mean? You're, a, you're, you're not a plural person. Why would you want to be called them? I don't get it. The worst part about this is this is happening throughout the entire medical industry now. Other people are telling me that. When I was telling this to other people, so oh, yeah. You know, a lot of these doctors now are part of a, a bigger organization, like a hospital organization. It's hard to find an independent doctor these days because they've all been bought out by these hospitals. And a lot of these institutions are woke institutions now. But why all of a sudden, I'm 62 years old, I never remember ever having that question asked to me of a doctor. But you see how they're trying to normalize this stuff now? And that's what it's about. So I went to my doctor, and I said to him, I said, Doc, what's the deal here with your website asking me these questions? He didn't even know about it. He goes, really? I go, yeah. Well, as it turns out, it wasn't his website. He's part of a bigger organization that does all this stuff for them. And I told him I was offended. Not because uh, I have to answer the question, because I didn't have to answer it. But the fact is that you're normalizing this stuff. That's the thing. They're trying to normalize what is not normal. Or at least in the history of humankind has not been normal. But now is. Is it just me? Am I an old fuddy duddy that I'm not with the times anymore? I got to accept this. I don't know. Now, look, there's always been people who are heterosexual, and then there was people that were homosexual, and then there's people who were bisexual. Fine. That was something that we all accepted and then lived with forever. When is it that all of a sudden these other things started showing up? This binary stuff, cis stuff. I don't even know what half this stuff is. 
There's something like 100 different gender designations now. And when did it become normal that you have to, in schools and institutions and in workplaces now, that you have to respect somebody who thinks they're a cat? You know a local school district here in New Jersey? I'm not going to mention the school district, the school. A girl identified as a cat. And what did the school district do? They put a litter box in the girl's bathroom. I mean, are we living in an insane world? Yes, we are, Lou. We are living in the insane world. I mean, there's things that even five years ago, we never thought would ever be possible. Nah, Lou, that would never happen. That's going on now. L- listen to this one. This is the headline. Groomer alert. Underage students at high school forced to perform in drag for eager adult faculty members. All right. Now, this is right here in our own backyard in New Jersey. This is in Hunterton, Hunterton Central Regional High School in Flemington, New Jersey. All right. Uh, the, the student group Pulse which stands for People Understanding Love Serves Everyone, secretly held the drag show on October 27th. The performance took place on school property in secret and was the brainchild of demented faculty advisor Heather Baldwin. She then sent an email inviting fellow school staffers to watch the kids perform in front of them. The the school took great pains to ensure that no parents, uninvited students, or other adults could attend. But they did invite a drag queen to take part in the festivities. Although not all faculty were invited, nor were parents or fellow students, the club did manage to have a professional drag performer at the event. The students were taken out of class to prepare for the secret show where, according to one witness, a teacher stood watch outside the door to the theater while the show was going on to ensure those not invited would not enter. Now, the Flemington Board of Education decided to hold a public meeting last Monday focusing on the drag show. Several members of the community demanded to know why minors were performing in drag secretly for adult pleasure. And I'm going to play, um, there's a lot of these parents that that are at this thing that are pretty outraged about it. I'm going to play one for you. Listen to this. Well, it looks like we've put a whole new meaning to the word adult entertainment here, haven't we, Board of Ed? Adult entertainment used to mean adults going to strip clubs, watching other adults engage in sexual behavior. Well, now, thanks to this board, we see adult entertainment as a bunch of high school staff watching young children for their entertainment. And to those of you who still retain your seats, those days are numbered because we will continue to expose the evil that you're doing in secret and behind closed doors. Just the fact that you have to hide this garbage tells us how evil it is. In the meantime, while you guys still temporarily hold these seats, remember we are looking at all avenues of holding you accountable for these actions. And I believe that the reason for the... So uh, that's just one of many parents doing it. They did this in secret. 
the thing that amazes me about this stuff, I could see you have a, a couple of crazy lunatic people here or there, but the extent of how this has infiltrated all aspects of our society, is there collective insanity in the world right now? It sounds like there is. From Disney to schools now, I mean, it's just nuts. Now, how about teaching these kids how to, how to write, how to read, how to do math, how to balance a checkbook, maybe learn how a credit card is used, uh, instead of teaching them this stuff? And it's virtually in almost every school now, every school system in the country. Boy, I'm glad my kids are long out of school. Because if I had them in school now, they wouldn't be in public school. It's just just amazing. I just can't believe how many people have this crazy thinking that just five or ten years ago would be considered insanity or perversion. But now it's normalized. What does that tell you about society in general? Uh, you know, we are battling. I truly believe this. We are battling. We're in a war of good versus evil. I really believe that. I believe that the gates of hell have been unleashed, and we're seeing it in all aspects of, of society. Uh, I, I really do. I believe it. Uh, where do we want to go to next? Uh Let's see. Where do we want to go next? Oh, by the way, uh, um, the IRS announced a couple of weeks ago that uh, more and more people are going to get what's called the 1099-K this year. You know how you get your W-2, you get your interest income, and all that stuff that you use for your tax return. Well, now there's a format. It's called 1099-K. I've been seeing it for a couple of years now, but now it's becoming more and more prevalent because... Uh, the IRS is reminding workers, mainly gig workers, you know, gig workers are like Uber drivers and people who sell on Etsy and, and stuff like that, uh, that if you get payments of over $600 through third-party apps like, like Zelle, Cash App, Venmo, PayPal, uh, or credit card companies, that they have to issue what's called the 1099-K. Now, a lot of people are going to get this 1099-K and not understand what it is. And it's not hard to go over $600 because it used to be that you had to have something like uh, um, 20000 in sales and 200 transactions to generate a 1099K. Now it could be one transaction for 600 bucks. So a lot of people are going to start seeing these 1099Ks coming, and you don't want to ignore them because this is income for you. So now you got to do what's called a, 1090, um, a Schedule C, which is a self-employed business. And now you got to take that income and declare it and then maybe write off expenses against it if you have it. So a lot of people are going to be getting these now, tens of thousands of people. And if you ignore this, you're going to get audited. Uh, and by the way, you can thank Joe Biden for this. This was part of his, um, uh, uh, one of his uh, stimulus packages to get the economy going the American Relief Act or whatever it was. They threw this in here. 
So now more and more Americans uh, are going to have to hire an accountant that may have not had to do it before because now they, what do I do with this? You know, you get five, $6,000 in, you know, a lot of people supplement their income by selling things on, pay, uh, on, on eBay and, and all Etsy and all these other places. Uh, and, and you're going to get these 1099s. And just remember that, you know, when Biden signed the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, uh, we fund 87,000 additional IRS agents that are going to be looking for this. So just a heads up, if you get this, do not ignore it. Uh, and you're going to probably have to pay an accountant uh, to, do, um, to do your taxes. All right, this week, you know, obviously we're seeing that uh, uh, one of the big contentions in our country right now, in a, in, 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 including a lot of other things right now, is the southern, southern border and what's going on down there. Now, Republicans are taking over the House. They're going to be doing a lot of stuff and a lot of hearings on the southern border. They're threatening to impeach the Homeland Security, um, uh, head of Homeland Security, this guy, Mayorkas, who... Always comes out whenever he's interviewed on Capitol Hill and says that the border uh, is uh, secure. Always says that. Border secure. You know, it just, they just lie to you. Uh, this administration just continues to lie to you. They don't really care. Um, uh, but um, uh, Ducey, Peter Ducey from Fox News was uh, in the House um, uh, press room. Uh, and, you know, we have this new press secretary, Corrine Jean-Pierre, who, by the way, is black, um, um, gay uh, and uh, uh, an immigrant. Uh, so she checked all the boxes. So that qualified her to be the press secretary after Peppermint Patty left. Uh, and she's awful. She's got every time she's asked a question, she goes through the book to find the answer instead of just answering the question. So Peter Ducey um, now now. Most of the correspondents in the White House press room are friendly to the administration, so they don't ask tough questions, although that's starting to change. Uh, and, um, you know, last week I played for you when, when Dr. Fauci was there on his last – he doesn't seem to go away, though. Every time it seems like his last uh, TV appearance, he's on another station. <laughs> this guy doesn't want to give it up. He's supposed to be retiring here. Uh, he's on every, every TV show he can get his, uh, get his face on. They say the most dangerous place is the area between Fauci and a camera. Uh, you don't want to be in between those two. Uh, anyway, but, uh, you know, the press started asking him questions about the origins about it. And I played for you, uh, Pierre, uh, uh, shutting down that quite line of questions, uh, saying, well, you haven't been called on yet. You can't answer that. And, and it's starting to become a mutiny in the press room. But, uh, you know, we, our borders are incredibly open. Uh, Title 42 is um, expiring uh, very shortly, which means a whole nother surge is coming, worse than the one we have. And Peter Ducey asked her, um, you know, is the president going to go down to the border? Uh, Kevin McCarthy says that he invited President Biden down to the border. How does the president RSVC? So uh, she thought for a while, and she laughed, um, and uh, uh, then she came out, and she said this. So, look, uh, 
He's been there. He's been to the border. Uh, and since he took office, since he took office, the President Biden has been uh, taking action to fix our immigration system and secure our border. And that's why on day one, he put forward an immigration uh, immigration reform, a piece of legislation uh, to deal with uh, what is currently happening at the border. Uh, but, you know, that we're not seeing that from Republicans. We're not seeing a willingness to work with us on, on um, you know, fixing a situation that's been around uh, for decades now. Uh, instead, they're, they're doing um, political stunts. Uh, that's what they want to do. That's how they want to take care of the situation. Uh, but in, in the meantime, you know, the president has secured record levels of funding for the Department of Homeland Security. We have over 23,000 agents working to secure the border. We've taken thousands of smugglers off the streets. And we're co- cutting down on asylum pro- pro- processing uh, times and a number of individuals arriving unlawfully from northern Central America and Venezuela is coming down significantly because... It's all a lie. Every single thing she said there was a lie. He hasn't been to the border. I mean, that's provable. He's never been to the border in his whole life, let alone as president. But she tells you he has been at the border. Approvable lie. And then she goes on to say, since he was elected, he's been trying to deal with the border. No, he hasn't. And it's just like Mayorkas. It's secure. It's not secure. Millions of people are coming through every day. You can see it. It's on camera. And, and, and she doesn't care that she lied. Why should she care? Nothing's going to happen to her. The media is totally invested in the Democratic Party. He's just going to ignore the situation. They're not going to call her out on it. Just like they, the Hunter Biden laptop story. Now, if Trump's press secretary said that and he didn't go, they'd be all over it. How can you believe anything that this woman says on behalf? This is the White House now. Telling an all-out lie that we don't know. Now, when she's talking about, well, he's been working hard to uh, deal with immigration. Uh, and, this, and the Republicans really uh, don't want to work with him. She's talking about amnesty. That's what she's talking about. She's not talking about shutting the border. She's talking about giving all these people citizenship and a voter ID card to vote Democrat. Meanwhile, we have fentanyl coming through, uh, killing our our children, and not even not only our children. This is an insult to all of us that 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 the, that the press secretary, who's supposed to represent the president of the United States, will come out. And lie right to our face and get away with it. It's outrageous. Outrageous. What other exciting audio clips do we have here today? Okay, so Friday night, as expected, Elon Musk um, released a cache of information regarding the censoring of the Hunter Biden notebook story days before the 2020 presidential election at Twitter. So what he did is he released all these emails and communications within the uh, uh, the people within Twitter itself, uh, and he released it to Matt Taibbi, who is a journalist. 
with, I believe, Rolling Stone. Now, Matt Taibbi is not a conservative. He's a liberal. All right. But Matt Taibbi has been a very good journalist over the years. He exposed, if you remember, the, the Goldman Sachs vampire stories. Uh, he, he did a lot of stories on um, on uh, Occupy Wall Street and so forth. He's an investigative journalist. So Elon Musk decided that this would be the right guy to release it. And he released it on his Twitter. And it's obviously very damning, uh, the collusion that went on between um, the Biden campaign and Twitter executives to to basically censor any information regarding this. And it's a big deal. Now, of course, it's not a big deal to the mainstream media. They don't really want to report on it. They just want to uh, try to destroy Matt Taibbi for running it. Meanwhile, he's just reporting on the information that he's been given. Um, and the problem is Twitter became more and more left wing, more and more woke, and they decided that they would censor anything that wasn't, uh, their narrative. And what was happening is the Biden team was sending websites, Twitter, Twitter people and telling them to deal with it. And the reply would come back from somebody that said it's been handled, meaning that these people have been censored. Or their accounts have been taken down. And this is happening at the behest of a political party. Now, people were trying to defend uh, Twitter and YouTube and all these other things. Uh, I mean, the left was trying to defend it by stating that, well, they're an independent company. They could do whatever they want. It has nothing to do with free speech because, you know, they're an independent company. But when you have the government or a political party getting involved and going to bed with them, now it is an infringement of the First Amendment. So there's proof here that the Biden campaign would would contact Twitter. And it's all here. I mean, there's pictures of the emails and everything. Nobody's questioning the validity of it. Uh, that uh, we have a problem with this poster, uh, and that poster was taken down. Including the New York Post, which launched the, the story three weeks before the election. They had the laptop. Now, if you look at uh, contributions by Twitter and Twitter employees, 99.73% went to Democrats. <laughs> what does that tell you? $165,969 went to the Democratic Party. Uh, $451 went to the Republicans. So uh, I think there is a slant in content moderation, don't you think? Uh, so this, they're saying, a lot of voters said, if they knew about this, they wouldn't have voted for Biden. Uh, uh, so this was, this is the definition of election interference. So when you hear of election interference by big tech, this is what they mean. Taking stories and censoring them or burying them where it doesn't trend. They knew it and they did something even more, um, extraordinary to suppress the story. They blocked the transmission um, via direct message, a tool that they only usually reserve for like extreme cases like child pornography, 
Uh, you couldn't even personally message somebody and talk about this. And if you recall, if you remember, White House uh, press secretary uh, Kaylee uh, McEnany, when she was, when pre- Trump was president and she was the president, she was locked out of her own account. Do you remember that? The White House press secretary was locked out of her own account for me- me- mentioning this. And the White House had to go apoplectic to get her back on. Uh, so uh, Twitter is exposing all this. Uh, and you want to talk about egregious uh, um, affront to the First Amendment. Uh, that's it. Now, apparently more and more is going to come out. So so is the um, and uh, the FBI was directly involved as well. It seems that uh, uh, the FDI, uh, FBI was telling all these social media networks that to ignore the, the laptop story because it was Russian disinformation. And you have to realize, too, think about what this is. This is Donald Trump is president at the time. His FBI is influencing the presidential election of their boss against their boss. How treasonous was that? Everything is corrupted in such a, everything in our society is corrupted. Our education system, we were talking about the sexualization of children. The media is so corrupted. You know, the media, and I asked, I asked um, Paul this, I asked him if he ever heard of uh, Operation Mockingbird. And uh, Operation Mockingbird is something that came about, I think, in the 60s, 50s and 60s. Uh, where the CIA infiltrated all the major media organizations to control what gets out, and they still do that. Now, you have to understand that almost all media outlets are are, are owned by, like, I don't know, five different conglomerate corporations, control all our media. And they say the same things, and they omit the same things. Now, I got an audio thing here on how these people all repeat the same things at the same time. Apparently, they get either an email or a fax at 4 in the morning uh, just before all the morning shows go on, uh, and they all know what to say. Nobody's independent. Now, it gets a little garbled here because everybody's talking at the same time and saying the same thing at the same time, but I just want you to play it and, and, and try to discern how everybody is saying the same thing on, it doesn't matter what subject it is, it's whatever subject that uh, whoever controls everything wants you to know. Like and I'm Ryan Wolf. Our, our greatest, greatest responsibility, responsibility is to serve our Treasure Valley communities, the El Paso, Las Cruces communities, Eastern Iowa communities, mid-Michigan communities. Extremely proud of the quality, balanced journalism that CBS4 News produces. But we are concerned The sharing of biased and false news has become all too common on social media. More alarming, some media outlets publish these same fake stories without checking facts first. The sharing of biased and false False news has has become become all too common on social media. More alarming, Unfortunately, members of the media have their own personal lives and agenda to 
ABC, NBC, CBS, it didn't matter. And this happens every day because I go through the channels and when there's a story out, you see they use the same words. How does that happen? It's all propaganda, people. It's all propaganda. You may have one or two outlets that that are somewhat independent and, and don't follow this, but very few. Even Fox, you hear them saying some of the same things. Now, you would think that once it came out that, uh, you know, that Twitter was uh, uh, influencing the election and all this uh, damning information came out, uh, that the mainstream media would be all over it. They weren't. There was one. Uh, there was there was Tucker Carlson. Uh and if you listen Friday night to Tucker Carlson's show, it was pretty amazing. He had on James Woods. You know James Woods, the actor? Uh, well, he came out and he he had said something. I don't know if it was a, what it was, but it, it was just something that they decided to censor and take down his channel. Uh, and it turned out that the Democratic National Committee pressured Twitter into removing uh, his tweet. Oh, it was a tweet that criticized Hunter Biden. And Woods is conservative. So they basically penalized James Woods and either took down his tweet uh, or uh, took down his channel. So Tucker Carlson calls his house to get his opinion because in this release by Elon Musk, uh, they talk about James Woods at the DNC communicates to Twitter uh, to take down James Woods tweet. And I thought it was fascinating, uh, the interview with James Woods. Now, he was caught off guard. He had just walked in the house. He didn't even know. His wife says, pick up your phone. They're trying to get in touch with you. Uh, but listen to part of this interview. They tried to wreck yours. Is there some kind of legal or civil recourse that you would have against the people who violated your First Amendment rights? I can guarantee you one thing, more than anything else you'll ever hear in your life. I will be getting a lawyer. I will be suing the Democratic National Committee no matter what, whether I win or lose. I am going to stand up for the rights that every American, not a so-called celebrity, I'm not a celebrity, but I'm hardly recognizable anymore because my career has been destroyed by these very people. And I will sue. And I'm hoping other people will too. And if it turns out there are a lot of us on this list where the DNC targeted us, and I will quote the immortal words of Joseph Welch when he attacked Bill McCarthy for the enemies list he had, at long last, sir, have you no shame. Yes. President Biden, all of your little operatives in the DNC who have targeted American citizens 
have you, Mr. President, have all of you at last no shame? Yeah, and of course the answer is no, they don't have shame. Um, but we, we will be following that, and, and there may be more. Clearly they were fixated on you, which I hope you take as a compliment, but also propels you forward to bring justice. I think it is a compliment, but it's, you know, it's a big price to pay. It's not a lot of fun. I, I loved my career for 50 years. I was happy to be an award-winning and honored and appreciated actor, and uh, I missed my career. And these yeah. people took it from me. And I'll pay a price later in my life, you know, but I have to say, um, I am not going to take it sitting down. I think these people are vermin for doing this to other people. Let's not talk about me for a moment. Let's talk about simple individuals who put out a tweet and now their lives are destroyed. You know, casting directors literally in my business literally go online and they check every actor who comes in for a part to see who they're following. If an actor or an actress is following me, they will blacklist me. All right? It's about time that this is torn open. And I will tell you this. It's not just me. But if you take the thousands of people that I'm sure they did this to, and you got a class action suit. Uh, so that's James Wood. Just one of many people who have their lives destroyed over this stuff. And uh, this is not America. Uh, it really isn't. Uh, and uh, people's lives have been ruined. Elections have been swayed because of this. And I think uh, one of the best things to ever happen uh, is a man named Elon Musk. I mean, it, it cost him $44 billion to get a hold of Twitter. Because uh, you never would have heard any of this stuff. And much more is coming out, by the way, from Twitter. Uh, this is a systemic problem that we've had there. All right, if you're on the line, stay right there. We'll get to you on the other side of the break. If you want to get on the line, 732-237-9626 is the call number. Uh, my name is Lou Scatigna. Don't go away. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, a family-owned and operated premier septic installation and repair company with more than a decade of experience in the septic services. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer provides full-service maintenance and cleaning services, pumping septic tanks, repairing broken sewer lines, cleaning of grease tanks for restaurants, as well as real estate septic inspections, repairs, and installations. Phone 732-600-8721 or go to jerseyshoreseptic.com to learn more. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, top-quality work at the most affordable rates. Brick Township has plenty to offer in November and December to celebrate this holiday season. Go grab all your Thanksgiving goodies at the Farmer's Market on Saturday, November 19th from 8.30 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. at Windward Beach Park. The annual tree lighting will take place on Wednesday, November 30th at 5.30 p.m. at Town Hall, located at 401 Chambers Bridge Road. Also join them for the menorah lighting on Monday, December 19th at 5.30 p.m. For more info, go to Brick Township do you have a home to sell? Do you need to buy a home? Or maybe you would like to consider a career in real estate? Well, you need to contact my brother, Mark Skatigna. He's the broker manager of Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty on Route 70 in Manchester. Mark has helped so many of my clients with either the sale of their home or to purchase a new home. All of them could not have been happier with his help. What about an exciting new career in real estate? Maybe you're finding you have more time on your hands than you would like to after retiring from your full-time job and are also looking to make some extra income with flexible hours to still enjoy your free time and income that could be limitless market 
train you to be as successful as you would like to be and enjoy a rewarding career in real estate. For help with any of your real estate needs, as well as any information on a career in real estate, call my brother Mark Skatinga at Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. His number is 732-657-6200. That's 732-657-6200. Mark Skatinga, Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. Give him a call. You'll be happy you did. I'm Lou Skatigna, certified financial planner, author, president of AFM Investments, and the host of The Financial Physician, heard each Sunday morning, 7 to 9, right here on 92.7 WOBM, or anytime at thefinancialphysician.com. Don't let interest rates, inflation, and market volatility keep you awake at night. Come to my Tom's River office for a no-obligation professional diagnosis of your financial health. I'll review your investments, income taxes, and retirement plan. I'll suggest a comprehensive financial estate plan that will improve your financial health and, most importantly, lower your financial risk during these uncertain times. If you are retired or plan to retire, I will show you strategies designed to increase your income and protect your estate from nursing home costs. Call us at 732-905-8100 and get on the road to a healthy financial future. That's 732-905-8100. Join me Sunday morning, 7 to 9 for The Financial Physician right here on 92.7 WOBM or listen to the podcast at thefinancialphysician.com. Securities transactions through Lee Baldwin & Company, member of FINRA and SIPC, Registered Investment Advisory Service to afford Advisory Group. Call the financial physician now at 732-237-9626. Here's Luz Katigna. All right. In the home stretch of our two-hour program, it goes so fast here on the financial physician. I say it's the fastest two hours in uh, Money Talk Radio. Thanks so much for joining us. If you miss any of the program, you can't miss any of this program. We talk about so many different things here that you won't hear elsewhere Go to thefinancialphysician.com, where we'll have the podcast up right after the show is over. So no excuses for missing any of our program. You don't have to get up early on Sunday. You can listen to the show anytime uh, you like at thefinancialphysician.com. Just go to the radio tab up top and click on the most recent show, and they'll bring you right to Podomatic, and you can listen to this program, past week's programs, and what have you. And uh, as I said earlier in the program, we had a, a record week of listeners of the podcast last week. So we appreciate you sharing it. You have an email you'd love to send me. I got a comment on the show, uh, something you want me to cover. You have something that I could help you with personally, uh, financially. Uh, that's Lou, the, uh, Lou at the financial physician.com. Lou at the financial physician.com. Phone number here is 732-237-9626. Let's go to uh, Jay in Point Pleasant. Jay, how are you today? Haven't heard from okay, you in a while. Well, yeah, how are you? I'm good. Okay, uh, we're talking about the media, and I want to ask you about the New York Post. No media uh, uh, form of media backed Donald Trump more, you know, when he was first trying to get elected, and during that term, for 99 percent of the time, right up to like election night, and then all of a sudden they betrayed him. They went against him and have been sternly against him, vociferously against him since, even though the issues they back are the issues that he backs. And right up to even this election, they came out with the commentary that it's time to just keep Trump out of politics because he's killing the Republican Party because nobody will vote to a Trump-backed um, uh, candidate. And I'm just wondering, what caused this, right? That they urged people to vote for him the second time. Did, you know, and, and then they betrayed him. Why, why did they do it? Did, 
it's something behind the scenes. Did Donald Trump get Rupert Murdoch's panties in a wad or something? What happened? It's something like that. Uh, uh, it had to be something that we really don't know. No, it's something we don't know. But it may just get to the point of where Rupert Murdoch no longer wanted uh, uh, the post to be uh, not mainstream, uh, not part of the legacy media's narrative. Uh, uh, but who knows what happened behind the scenes there? But, uh, but if, that's, if that's the case, Lou, then why do they still back everything that Trump says? Not saying we back Trump, but like uh, the crime, the uh, education, uh, LBGQ, everything like that. And then they say, don't ever let them back in politics again. There's something deeper than that. Well, because, maybe it means that they feel that uh, they are conservative and they want the Republicans to win and that Donald Trump uh, 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 unfairly has been yeah. so tainted by uh, the media and social media uh, that it's impossible for him to win. He's been so demonized uh, over yeah. the course of six years. Uh, and it even had me thinking that. You know, uh, after... Um, The midterm elections when Florida, which is a state that has strict voter ID and voter fraud laws, it was a red wave. I mean, you know, the the, the congressional seats all went Republican. Uh, Marco Rubio and Ron DeSantis won by huge margins, more than expected. Uh, And then in other states, liberal states where they can cheat, you know, you didn't have that that red wave. But a lot of people are saying, well, look, DeSantis now is the the new darling of the Republican Party. He doesn't have the baggage that Trump has. And let's face it, right or wrong, I mean, you know, Trump causes a lot of his own problems. You know, he he does. He, you know, he he says things that are, uh, you know, you cringe at sometimes and say, Dad, did you really need to say that, Donald? You know, Uh, so at parties, he's part of He's his own enemy at times. Uh, We all know that. Uh, He sends mean tweets. I love all his policies. I love the way he handled China. I love the way he handled Russia. I love the way he handled NATO. I love the way he handled the border. I mean, I, I love the guy's policies. And uh, But I felt, found myself thinking the same thing the day after the election. You know, maybe it's time to move on for Trump, even though, you know, he's been unfairly demonized and everything else. We just can't win with him. Why not go with somebody like a DeSantis uh, who's not going to um, ruffle the same feathers? And uh, other people I know were saying the same thing to me in the days after the election. All right. So uh, and that was the the theme or the narrative through the media, uh, through the rhinos in uh, in Washington, um, through uh, even the Wall Street Journal and uh, uh, and the New York Post uh, and other things that, you know, it's time to move on from Trump because we can't win with him. All right. Uh, now, having said that, uh, they're going to do the same thing to DeSantis if he runs. Right? These people will demonize anybody that's going to run on the Republican Party. They're going to pull out every stop uh, to to make him the next Trump. The only thing is, is that he's a little bit more nuanced and uh, won't take the bait as quickly as Trump would. Uh, but. Um, but that's what they're trying to do. They know the media, uh, especially the left-wing media, which is the same thing as the media in general, uh, is that they know that Trump is their biggest threat because he does have such a populist movement 
uh, look, the guy still fills stadiums, you know, uh, for, for his rallies and stuff. So obviously there's still a, a, a big following for Trump, and they know that that he's uh, uh, their biggest threat. So they continue to demonize him and that put the narrative as he's done. Then he was set up this week with uh, Kanye West and this uh, supposedly white supremacist, anti-Jewish guy that Kanye brought with him. Uh, this was a Trojan horse setup. Now, of course, they should vet their, their guests, uh, Marilago, a little better. Uh, but now, of course, now he's an anti-Semite, Trump. You know, now that's the big story. It's not the Hunter Biden laptop thing that came out. You know, that, that's not, you don't need to talk about that. But let's talk about how, how Trump now uh, is an anti-Semite white supremacist because he had dinner with somebody that was brought there unintended that he didn't know who he was, um, whatever. Uh, but um, but that's the reason. I, I think that... Uh, uh, that uh, that that it may be time to move on for Trump because he's been so tainted. They're so vicious. Think about it. The, think about this man. I don't think there's been anybody in American politics who's been attacked more than Donald Trump. The FBI, the CIA, the media, his own party, the Rhino. I mean, it just never stops, right? This 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 attorney general in New York is going after his businesses now. Congress impeaching him twice over, over over silly things. Now they got his tax returns. You know, now he's got this thing where the FBI raided his house over documents, presidential documents was never done before. I mean, it just doesn't end with this guy. But but it doesn't deter him at all. In fact, he lives off of it. All the other presidents, after they've served, you see how they look? Wrinkles, grayer hair, yeah. and everything. This guy is energized by it. <laughs> yeah. He loves it. He loves it. And see, Lou, you say like a, a more popular Republican. Isn't the fact that most people love Trump because he's not like that at all? He's not that way. He's not a member of the club. The problem, the problem is you have a segment of the Republican Party uh, that is the old GOP, that's part of the club, uh, that likes to do things the way they do. I'm talking about the, the Mitt Romneys of the world. I'm talking about the Mitch McConnells of the world, and uh, we can go on and on, that do not like a rabble-rouser to upset uh, their swamp, uh, which they like very well. Uh, both parties do. Uh, and that includes uh, McCarthy, who's going to be, looks like, the Speaker of the House. They're all the same. You know, they're all part of the same club. They protect isn't them. that the problem with politics? The thing that you and I are complaining about? We get one guy who can't be controlled, who does shoot his mouth off. Why not? I mean, they shoot their mouth off to him. And now... The, are, are we leaving him? Are we abandoning him? Because Why? Because it's easier? Well, like I said, it's been driven into people's minds that the Republicans cannot win the presidency if Donald Trump is the candidate because he is so divisive. And, and, and uh, the relentless onslaught from social media and from the mainstream media uh, will taint him every single day uh, to the point of where he can't win. Every day. They can't win. Every day now, they get it during his presidency. Now, my point yeah. is they will do it to any Republican candidate. They did it They did it to Mitch Romney, right, uh, against Obama, right? Uh, th- that's who these people are, right? But the, 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 the rhinos in the Republican Party believe if we make nice— uh, that that will be fine with them, and it's not that way. This is war. It, it never works. It never, never works. works. The left it's in this country. Never works. The left in this country. Yeah. 
don't care about what's right or wrong, what's ethical or unethical, what's moral or not. All it is is about power and winning and shoving down the American people's throat, their left-wing Marxist philosophy. All right? It doesn't matter. And if you're in the way, you are to be destroyed. And because they have in their back pocket the mainstream media and up to this point, high tech uh, that controls the, the, the town square. And we've seen the damage that was done by Twitter regarding the censorship of the, of the Hunter Biden laptop, which cost the election. Uh, you know, it, it's um, it, 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 we're living in a tough thing. I mean, you know, I got in front of me here. Uh, what does it say? Most Americans now oh, here. Majority of Americans no longer trust elections to be fair. Okay. Now that's something. Now you have a guy. And that like, means Democrats too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. They uh, know. Um, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, right? He turned over four hundred million dollars plus to all these leftist foundations to give to local election officials. Yeah, to influence <laughs> the outcome. All right. So here it is. Here it is. Uh, The majority of Americans no longer trust elections to be fair. According to a new polling, 56.8 percent of American voters don't fully trust the elections to be fair and accurate. Uh, So uh, now, of course, uh, it's more um, more Republicans than Democrats feel that way. Independent voters aligned with Republicans on the issue. Some 57.5% of them said they don't fully trust the election system. Among GOP members, it's 89.7%. Uh, even one out of four Democrats, 25% agreed. All right. So now if you have 89.7% of Republicans uh, that don't think it's fair, uh, and you only have 24.9% of Democrats that don't think it's fair, who is it skewed to? <laughs> Who's the fraud yeah. skewed at? <laughs> right? yeah. You know, you know, know. that. It, and it's a terrible but, thing. Let me tell you something. It is a terrible thing when a country can't have fair elections and the electorate doesn't believe it's fair. America. Uh, this America. is America. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, this is America. Right. You, you would think, you know, that this, this happens in, in, in third world countries. Now, it's even uh, it's apparent. Uh, Elon Musk came out yesterday and said that Twitter interfered in the Brazilian election as well. Now, you had the same thing happen in Brazil that happened here. Uh, the same exact situation, electronic voting, uh, tampered with, just at the last minute, uh, Bolsonaro, who was way ahead in the polls, was ahead. And then, um, miraculously, this communist who was in jail for corruption, Lulu, won. Now, the difference between Brazil and the United States is that the Brazilians are protesting. There's millions of people in the street. Uh, and I just read this morning... Uh, that the military is going to declare martial law late next week uh, and say the elections were not fair and you're going to have a coup. But the Brazilians uh, uh, have been protesting. Uh, uh, listen to this. Now, you can't, you, you can't really hear what they're saying. They're just speaking Portuguese or whatever. But there's millions of them out there every day now. Protest, protesting the stealing of this election. Where are the millions of people of Americans? Absolutely. You're where right. are we? Where, where are the people? You get 100 people outside uh, uh, of um, uh, the election board in Arizona protesting. Yeah. yeah and We're used to having other people do it for us. That's right. right? Do this stuff. All right, and now they're doing it to us. You're right, Jay. Yeah. All right, we're out of time. End of the program. Okay. Thanks for calling. You're, 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 absolutely, okay. you're absolutely right.
That's crazy world we live in, and uh, it's getting crazier by the day. But we bring it to you here each and every Sunday on The Financial Physician or anytime at thefinancialphysician.com where we have the podcast of this show. Love your emails. Lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Lou at thefinancialphysician.com. My office number, if you want to come in and have a financial review, complimentary, 732-905-8100. 732-905-8100. Remember... I'm not far right. I'm just right so far. Have a good week.